0: Hello everyone. Today we are going to be talking about beauty and what it means for middle grade and teen slash, of course, young adult, as the rest of the industry says, books. I'm Katie. And I'm Karen. And this is
1: Alziness, the podcast, where we talk about all things books, publishing, and writing for the adolescent imagination. Come in and listen.
0: So, we have made no secret of the fact that we are looking for books at Owl's Nest that are true, beautiful, and good. And of course, we didn't make up this expression. No, it's Pretty used, all over, used yeah. all over the place. Used um, all over the place. The origins of it, I mean, go back to classical education and the liberal arts, and, um, you know, it's, it's ancient. But the. When, maybe some people don't really understand. It's worth parsing out. You know, what mm-hmm. exactly do you mean when you say that you are looking for books that are true, beautiful, and good? Aren't those things subjective?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Some people might might think that they are subjective. And there is, of course, subjectivity to aspects of um, you know, what is what is beauty mm-hmm. and, and what does that mean? So today, we want to talk a little bit about what does it mean when we say that we are looking for books that are beautiful. And I think that it can be tempting to believe that beauty lies in the story itself and only the story itself. For us, of course, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I mean, we're looking for stories that that themselves are beautiful and are saying beautiful things. But since we've been talking about querying the last two episodes, we got thinking about just the general ways in which books for adolescents and books for kids are viewed in the market Mm -hmm. and expectations for writing and things of that sort and how we are looking for more than just a beautiful story but we are also looking for beautiful writing
1: yes because beautiful books uh, or writing that's beautiful beautiful writing isn't only shouldn't shouldn't only be in the realm of adult fiction it it is possible and Karen and I would argue absolutely necessary for beautiful writing to be visible in adolescent literature.
0: Literature for children should be written beautifully. Just because it's written for uh, kids or teenagers doesn't mean that that the writing itself has to be dumbed down or, you know, using using language that is, and we're going to use this word a lot in the podcast today, and I apologize, using language that is not beautiful or not crafted well. I guess mm-hmm. let's, let's kind of get away from just saying beautiful over and over again. Using language that is not crafted well or using writing skills that are subpar because, oh, it's just kids that are going to be reading this. Right. So we're going to look at a couple of things. So there is an approach by authors sometimes, and it's not that it's even the authors themselves. Sometimes this is pushed within writing circles and within even just the industry to write a certain way to kind of dumb your writing down for younger audiences. But then there's also the viewpoint within the industry that literature for kids either is written not as well, or, or has to be written not as well, not as not as beautifully, or lacking nuance and lacking all sorts of literary devices and things that you, that you might find more commonly amongst in, in adult literature, that, that when you read books written for kids, that they're just not written as well. That it's just subpar mm-hmm. because the audience is, you know, quote, end quote, just children. And well, they don't know the difference, it's kind of like, let's make an, an analogy here. It's kind of like cooking for kids right? Well, their palate is less refined. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to put in as much of an effort, right? You can, you can, uh, you can put dino nuggets in front of them mm-hmm. and make the, the cordon bleu for the adults because, you know, the lacking of refined palate. So our argument at Owl's Nest is that it shouldn't be that way. That kids, even those that may not be strong readers, deserve beautiful writing, and that you can write beautifully and in a refined way and still reach every reading level for kids and adolescents.
1: And to just push this analogy further, I read a book a few years ago called French Kids Eat Everything and and in the same way, so the argument in the book is that you put you put in front of kids what you're eating because it helps it, it helps to develop their palate, and so we want to be putting good literature in front of kids, ki- writing that is refined, well-crafted, beautiful, because that helps to develop their own taste in literature and recognize recognize good writing and and delight in good writing. Yeah, it's the it's the same sort of thing. Right.
0: Okay, so I think we should maybe define some terms because not all books are equal. And that's okay as far as what their intended audience is in the market and this is true for kids literature and adult literature. So, I think we need to take a look at what is considered literary fiction as opposed to commercial fiction. So those are the two big categories. And then, of course, they can kind of be broken down a little bit more into things like upmarket and whatnot. But we're not going to get into all the finer points because this is not that long of a podcast. So let's just look at literary fiction versus commercial fiction. So, Katie, how would you define literary fiction?
1: I would define literary fiction as a book where it's, it's more about the language used rather than the story told, not across the board but I think that there when someone says a book is literary fiction you get an idea in your head of what that means so I don't think it's necessarily true that literary fiction books ignore story although I do think that that can sometimes be the case and that is something that will then turn some readers off where they think it's too highbrow or too unapproachable because the language in the story used isn't going to be accessible it's a Focus on language in a way that separates itself from very consumable fiction.
0: Do we see a lot of literary fiction written for younger audiences, do you think?
1: I think that it's not defined that way in the same way it is in an adult book. You don't have, or it's not talked about in the same way as, as adult literature. I think you absolutely find children's books, adolescent books for adolescents, you know, middle grade and YA that would be more on the literary side of things, but you would never hear them talked about like that necessarily, mm-hmm. which I think maybe maybe is to its benefit because I I do know that in adult books, some people will be turned off if if someone calls a book a literary fiction book without giving it a chance, and that's not usually the case with books for kids because it's just not that's not how they're talked about. So yeah, I think you can find literary fiction in kids books, but yeah, it's not talked about.
0: What's an example of probably a well-known literary fiction adult novel, like a recent one? Or or, or just well-known. I don't I guess it doesn't have to be recent.
1: <laughs> you put me on the spot. So,
0: <laughs> so well, I can't like, think of any. I just finished reading Circe uh, by Madeline Miller. I mean, yeah. that's, that's more literary fiction than
1: Right. Or anything by Ann Patchett. Would be literary okay. fiction, sure. So and so that's one that, that she has a new one that just came out. So like that's one that that people are talking about. Yeah, Anne Patchett. I mean, there's so there's so many there's so there's so many literary fiction books I could mention. But Anne Patchett, like as an author, I know Anne Patchett is is a literary fiction author. That is the genre. It's not a genre. It's more a style no, of writing.
0: It's it's stylistic. It's it's like this. We just recently together as a publishing house listened to a podcast on literary fiction and they defined it as like if the you know when you're reading the book and you're just like oh these sentences are Mm -hmm. just like you're reading the book basically for the beauty of the sentences Mm -hmm. themselves more so than for something that's driven by the plot.
1: Right. They tend to be character-driven novels more than Mm plot-driven novels as as a generalization
0: as opposed to commercial fiction so commercial fiction think Stephen King yeah think Stephen King anything that's meant to just sell and sell fast plot and it's not that these are not character-driven necessarily Mm -hmm. but they are very these are most of the best sellers literary fiction can be best selling Mm -hmm. but it's if it makes the best selling bestseller list it it tends to be a little bit of an anomaly like mm-hmm. everybody's talking about it sort of thing. Commercial fiction is typically you don't buy it for the beauty of the sentences that are written, although it they are they tend to be very well crafted stories. Mm-hmm. You know, you pick up a Stephen King novel not because it's like, oh, the man can just write such a beautiful sentence. He knows how to <laughs> turn
1: a phrase. He
0: knows how to turn a <laughs> phrase so much as he just he can tell a really really compelling story. The story is propulsive. Yes. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about adult literature, though. Even though adult literature falls very comfortably into both commercial and literary fiction, within the publishing industry, there tends to be a sort of divide as far as viewpoints and opinions go when it comes to talking about craft when you look between how people talk about adult literature and how people talk about books for kids books for teens books for middle grade i've heard some very like friends of mine even um very good people who are book people who will say oh i'm recommending this book to you or i'm recommending this book or i've reviewed this book even though Mm -hmm. it's a young adult book Mm -hmm. this is only book for teens, but mm-hmm. I still recommend it. And right. it's like they don't even realize that they're doing it sometimes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They're talking down about it. Yeah. So there's there's this general sort of idea. It's pervasive, not even yeah. general. It's a pervasive idea. And of course, we're, you know, we're talking anecdotally right now. But I think that holds true in the world I live in as well. Yes. Or, you know, among the people that I talk to, too. And, and here's actually, I think, part of it. YA, as a Publishing category as an audience publishing category has exploded. Has for so long been kind of the the largest publishing category, audience publishing category for for so long. I don't know if it's been the last decade or so, but it's been a long time mm-hmm. that I think it got so commercially driven mm-hmm. that there is this expectation, which has I think probably been true, that you don't get literary fiction written mm-hmm. for kids that. If written for kids and teenagers, that if, you know, that YA is just kind of, and, and we are saying YA because we're talking about the traditional industry here, that, that books for teens, in particular, you just don't go there expecting to find beautiful writing. Right. Do you think that's true? I
1: absolutely think that's true. And and I think that's true for for children's literature as well for middle grade I think that I mean that's one of the reasons why we started middle grade March why I started middle grade March was to kind of encourage people to pick them up to sort of prove a point that you could find Mm -hmm. beautiful writing in in books written for younger audiences like writing that may be more simple but is
0: equally as
1: lovely yes I
0: think I think that's really where the whole kind of attitude of looking down on books for young people has has come from the fact that books for teens and for middle graders and and whatnot exploded so fast, really after the rise in popularity of Harry Potter and Twilight and Hunger Games, you know, that kind of trifecta. Yeah. And it got so so commercially popular so fast. Mm -hmm. And that's what was selling. But, right, you agree that we can find beautiful literature... And, and here's the thing, commercial literature can be beautiful too. It's not a hard line either. So we have commercial literature and we have literary fiction. We can't pretend that there's a hard line between those two. No, it's very fluid. So we want to see, well, we know that there are books that are both beautiful, beautifully written and commercially successful and that have the potential to be commercially successful, both plot-driven and character-driven. Authors who can turn a beautiful Phrase, who can write beautiful sentences and write stories that are propulsive and compelling. These books exist and they exist within the realm of middle grade teen and young adult fiction. And those are the sorts of books that we are looking for at Owl's Nest. Katie, do you have any examples of the sorts of books that I'm talking about, especially within middle grade books for books for youth that kind of blur that line between commercial and literary, Fiction that are beautifully written, but that are compelling
1: stories. Yeah. So actually one example, and I don't know if you would agree with this, but this may be where like taste comes in. But I think The Girl Who Drank the Moon is both. No, that, that's when
0: I was thinking. of. Yeah, too, actually.
1: Beautifully written, compelling, com- very compelling story. And Kelly Barnhill, I was trying to find a quote because she talks exactly about this. And mm-hmm. I, couldn't, I couldn't find the quote to share, but she talks about how it's really important not to talk down to kids in your writing. You want to engage them and have high expectations of them
0: as they're reading. I was thinking of Kelly Barnhill myself because she, she writes like a writer of old. Like she kind mm-hmm. of reminds me of C.S. Lewis, who mm-hmm. of course was writing c- before we had categories like young adult literature or anything. When you read... The Chronicles of Narnia. You're not sitting there thinking, "Wow, this is written so poorly. Mm-hmm. You know, this is so dumb. Ugh, I'm as an adult, I'm so bored." That's not you. You read The Chronicles of Narnia, and you are in awe of the beauty of the language yes. that is both simple enough for a child to read but beautiful enough to captivate an adult reader mm-hmm. but the story is also compelling mm-hmm. he is a great kind of pattern to follow if you're a novelist to see how to to write simply but also in a beautiful way it's mm-hmm. it's that whole kind of line between or that, that whole very fine, you know, difference between being childish and mm-hmm. childlike. And that was, that's always been in my mind as, as a writer too. And I get a lot of emails, my, toot my own horn, I get a lot of emails from parents who thank me for writing books that are challenging enough for their kids, That for, for essentially the same thing, um, just saying about Kelly Barnhill, that are challenging that I, that I don't dumb down the language for my readers that you know that their kids learn new vocab words in the context of stories and that it's beautiful language while telling a compelling but I was just patterning my approach after you know, older writers mm-hmm. who used to do this so see well. C.S. Lewis, Lloyd Alexander is another great example of a classic writer who used to do this. You know, even Winnie the Pooh, you know, looking at A.A. Milne, um, older stuff like, you know, The Wind in the Willows. Charlotte so, Webb. Charlotte's Web. Charlotte's Web. You know? E.B. White, who wrote yes. The Elements of
1: Style. <laughs> yes. Or co-wrote The Elements of Style. So you know, like, he thought very long and hard about how he wrote, like, the craft of writing, and
0: so for us, when we are looking at books to acquire at Owl's Nest, we are absolutely looking at the craft of writing. Mm-hmm. That is important to us. So again, it's it's just kind of bring this back. Okay, so let's kind of bring it back to where we began. It is important that you are telling a beautiful story. That, you know, the story that you have have come up with, the imaginative world and you know, the people in it, the characters, all of that is beautiful. However, the writing itself so you know we have editorial standards for all of our books that go through a pretty strident editing process Mm -hmm. at owl's nest we are very particular about the ways well first of all we're very particular about the books that we will even sign Mm -hmm. but we are very particular about the ways in which we go about editing the work and Mm -hmm. no i know that it's good and I hope that for, for our editors, that it's a good experience for them. It is... For our authors, you mean, or for our... For our authors, what did I say? Editors. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I just wanted to clarify for yeah, listeners. No, I'm, I'm, yeah, no, I'm thinking and speaking at the same time. And it can be kind of hard to sign with a publishing house and to go through a strident editing process. Because, especially within the adolescent publishing industry, because although you can find these beautiful books, mm-hmm. if all you've been reading is young adult literature for the past 10 years, often what you have been reading is a lot of these sort of commercial trends. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that writing is not beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it's I'm not... kind of sloppy. Yeah, it's kind of sloppy. And I, I'm i not... We're obviously not going to, you know, name, name titles or anything no. like that. <laughs> I'm not saying... we aren't. We aren't saying that it's all sloppy. We're not no. saying No. In fact, it's we're saying bad. that it's not all sloppy.
1: You can right. still find beautiful writing. Yeah. Yes.
0: However, it can be hard to kind of break some bad habits as a writer at You know, I'm speaking from personal experience here. It was very difficult to break some bad habits because we imitate what we read. So Mm -hmm. if that's all that you've been reading, you know, and you're going through the editing process, you can be like, well, what do you mean I can't do this? Or what do you mean I I shouldn't do this? I shouldn't do that. To become a more beautiful writer, Mm -hmm. to craft more beautiful sentences. We're not trying to make our authors here at Owls Nest into literary fiction writers. But we are trying to make them or to help them and to become more beautiful writers. So that's part of the process of editing. Yes. And I'm not trying to say, don't, don't hear me saying that, you know, our authors needed all this work when we signed them. They're, no. You know.
1: No. And, 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 and furthermore, like, beautiful, there are different styles even with, within beautiful writing, too. So we're not, we're not even trying yes. to narrowly define what beautiful writing is. Because that also can be broad. you know there's more purple writing, there's more flowery writing. that can be beautiful. It may not land with every reader, but it's still beautiful writing. And then there's also simple writing. Simple sentences also doesn't mean that it lacks beauty. You can have very simple sentences that really capture really capture your imagination and, and paint a picture in your head. Yes. so yeah, so we're not trying to narrowly define what what beautiful writing is. But there are some hallmarkers of beautiful writing that we're trying to encourage our authors to embrace. Yes.
0: Yes. Embrace and kind of reclaim this idea that I think used to exist before kind of the big commercial boom mm-hmm. is that books for children and adolescents and teens can and should be beautiful. Yeah. As just as beautiful as as adult Mm -hmm. literature. Mm -hmm. And we think that these these stories can, even if they're more literary in style, sell just as well as, Mm -hmm. you know, more traditional, commercial, commercially written literature. So we hope that the books that we produce end up being the sorts of books that people recommend, that adults recommend to their friends as saying, you know, not that, oh, I'm recommending this to you even though it's 14s or but it's a middle grade book or something like that but that they joyfully recommend our books because they're they're beautiful. they mm-hmm. They're beautifully written and they tell beautiful stories and that it just so happens that the uh, the intended audience is is children. Mhm.
1: And to go back to a C.S. Lewis quote that I know I've quoted in this podcast and many other places because I feel like it always captures exactly what we're trying to say. C.S. Lewis said, children's book that can only be enjoyed by children is not a good children's book indeed. And I feel like that really speaks to the quality of writing because Mm -hmm. the, the kinds of books, the kinds of children's books that adults tend to not enjoy are books that are written poorly. So yeah. if a book is written beautifully, if a book for kids or teens is written beautifully, it's probably a book that an adult is going to enjoy, enjoy reading out loud to their kids or enjoy handing to their kids and know that their kid is, is getting a quality book.
0: We want to just encourage that, that beautiful language. We don't want to raise up readers who have to unlearn bad language habits. Mm-hmm. We want to raise up readers who will go on and recognize other great stories, great literature, and have have good reading habits on into an adulthood.
1: That also inform their own language skills. If a, if a book mm-hmm. is written beautifully, that is going to help them master English, master the English language and all of its rich, all of its rich synonyms and, you know, like English is a really rich language. And if, if, if a book is written beautifully, that helps kids to to learn it and master it in new and
0: important ways. So I feel like these are all of our final thoughts here, mm-hmm. but we would love to know if you have any final thoughts or ideas. I feel like this is a huge topic and it's something that people have the potential to be passionate about mm-hmm. because I'm we're all, sensitive about what our kids love to read, what our kids don't love to read, mm-hmm. reading levels. And we are not, please hear us too, we're, we're trying to say, it. we are what we are saying and what we're not saying. We are not saying that you are failing as a parent or anything like that if you're not putting the classics in front of your kids or anything like that. We're, we're not trying to tell you that you have to overwhelm your kids with books that are outside of their reading level Or anything like that.
1: Or even that you shouldn't hand kids books that, you know, I I always, I am sort of of the opinion that kids need, they should just be reading. So Mm -hmm. it's not like you have to all like monitor every word in every book that your kid reads and make sure that that book is beautifully written. I sort of feel like just make sure that your kids sometimes, it's sort of like a balanced diet, right? Yes. You can give your kids a package of Starburst sometimes, and they're not, you know, they're not going to be the worse for it. But you also want to hand them a balanced meal as well. So, you know, I'm not going to stop my son Fox from reading Dogman or Captain Underpants, as long as I know he's also reading quality books yeah. as well. As long as I know he's also reading Kate Camillo and and other books really high quality children's literature. So yeah, we're not trying, we're not like throwing shade at any, at any parent. (laughs) Right. Handing their kid the next Captain Underpants or whatever, or, you know, the equivalent in the, in the YA world. It's all about a balanced diet. Right.
0: And yeah, same. I mean, my kids, all the Captain Underpants, all the... We said we weren't going to list titles, but here we go. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I
1: mean, there's a... There's I think a... that's kind of well-known, though. Right. I mean, like, there's a place for... I mean, I I even think probably the author knows that he's not... Yeah. It's
0: not highbrow literature. It's not I mean, highbrow literature. It's not, like, a secret.
1: That's a good example in children's literature of very commercial fiction.
0: And you know what? He's laughing all the way to the bank, so... Yes, he is. He's doing okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and what we're saying is there's a place for that. If our kids yeah. are reading... That's amazing.
0: (laughs) All we're saying is that we are advocating for people not to look down on books for middle grade and teen and YA as being all and only that, as being all and only not beautiful language, all all and only commercial, And, and that as far as what you can trust as coming out of Owl's Nest is that it will be beautifully written, appropriate to the genre that it is, right? So like our upcoming middle grade novel in verse, mm-hmm. Hertz Gets Fused by Suzanne Purvis is going to be a great example of a beautifully written novel in verse, mm-hmm. which sounds very different than the book that I just released, mm-hmm. Thrall's Nest, The Queen of Ebenezer." verges on literary fiction it does yeah it's but that's it's totally different Mm -hmm. you know and hopefully if you read that you find it very beautiful I feel like I shouldn't say that about my own book you're allowed to say it I mean (laughs) imagine I'm saying that okay (laughs) because I believe it too (laughs) but you know two very very different books but hopefully if you read in Alice No's book, you will always find it well written, down to the the mechanics of the sentences. And we work again, as we were saying before. That's all I was trying to say with the editing conversation. Is we work really hard with our authors as editors to make sure that what we put out is beautiful, down to the sentence structures, the metaphors, the similes, all the style, all that we the do. style of writing, the all style the styles, of yeah, all the all the stylistic little bits. Yeah. So
1: we'd love. To hear like some of your favorite fiction that you feel is it for YA teen and middle grade, some of your favorite beautiful fiction, Yes, that you think fiction. is beautifully written. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. we could we could offer more examples. We just didn't want to take up a whole ton of time doing that. But just um, talking about our favorites,
0: let us know and thanks as always for listening. And thank you to our producer Ali Castaldo and to. Uh, wilder adkins for the music for our podcast till next time hoot hoot